the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. Let me see here. Let me go to line number three and talk with Karina and Hayward. Karina, are you there? Hi, beloved Pastor Jesse. How are you? What's up, girl? Good. Um, I just wanted to thank you and Stephen for the wonderful message this Sunday. It really spoke to me. Me too. Um, especially when um, the last DOG, we talked about integrity. Right. Well, that's kind of our theme. Yep. Yep. And one of my questions was, you know, struggling with integrity when you're going through trials or being provoked to be pissed off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my question today is kind of along those lines. Um, how kind of when friends ask you like to kind of back them up on their integrity but really they lack it and so i've been kind of you know honest with them which of course they don't like right and i don't know if it's just me or women but you know we can't we could be very detailed and so i'm like well no because on this this and this this and this time and this time right and so they kind of get overwhelmed and very defensive and combative and so I don't know whether, though, I just need to, like, be quiet and be like, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Or, I don't know, maybe is there a sweeter way? Because I don't think I'm doing it wrong. I mean, eventually it escalates to getting wrong, but I don't think initially I'm saying it in a bad way, but I don't know. All right. So, uh, for a while, um, I've been talking about integrity since January, and we are in March now. And I've been talking about uh, it's kind of a broad uh, set of definitions and descriptions of integrity, as you know. And one of the things I said integrity was not, and that is a kind of impeccable um, perfectionism that uh, that we should be pretending to model as if somehow we don't have weaknesses and don't have struggles and challenges. But that what integrity is, is inclusive of the process of development of uh, self-honor, self-honor. When a man or a woman is walking in integrity, they are walking in the process of self-honor. When we are not integral, that is whole and complete, we are not operating in self-honor. We're operating in self-dishonor. And that means we are in conflict. We're in turmoil. We are struggling. We are incoherent in our own mind, in our heart, in our our decision-making. We are struggling with the conscious that's vexed with the fact that we have betrayed ourselves. Now, once you start on a path of becoming a man or woman of integrity, you now are working through the the struggle of learning how to make right choices and make right decisions and right interactions with people that do not betray yourself, that do not dishonor you, that do not uh, leave you in what is called pleaser mode. This is psychobabble terminology. When a person is a 
pleaser, they care about more about how other people feel than they do about how they should be feeling relative to what their standards are. So a lot of times when an individual simply wants you to sign off on their agenda and you go, hey, you know what? At this moment, I'm trying to operate out of integrity. And while I care for you and want to see you prosper and love to see you, you know, get ahead, the manner in which you're going about it does not allow me to agree with you. And unfortunately, we live in a day, uh, Karina, as you know, where people, if you don't agree with them, then they assume you don't like them or you are mad at them as a person when in fact it's not them, it's that issue or their way, the way they're going about it. And we're not separating between who we are as a person and what we feel and what we choose to do. This is a big issue across the board. Too many people are making their identity rooted in what they feel and what they say and what they want to do versus who they are over against what they're doing. And we can still be friends so long as you don't tell me that what constitutes our friendship is me having to accept everything that you think or do as if it's you. When I can easily see qualities in you that make me want to be your friend and other qualities in you that I'm not putting up with. Yeah. Right? Well, that's right. And that's kind of, and you kind of touched on maybe what I was going to say. I didn't know how to say it, but that's kind of like, what happened? Like, well, here here's the other thing. I I just have to say it. I know I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get chewed out by my sisters on this one. I know it. They're gonna get me. I'm gonna just say it. So as a rule, this is not a general principle across the board. This is not axiomatic, and it doesn't apply to all men. But generally, women have a hard time handling and managing their emotions when their sisters say things to them that penetrate deeply into their integrity factor uh, because they often are more invested in their feelings than they are um, the objective facts that might be coming from a sister that really does mean them well. And uh, this is why re- relationships, women upon women, are so catty and so um, so f- so very fragile. And it's sad to see, but you know what I'm saying is true, don't you? Um, yes, I didn't want to inform of the gender, but actually my issue is actually with my male friend. Oh, okay. I thought you, I thought you were talking about girls. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm, it's me, the girl having issues with my male friend. Oh, with one or, so you're talking anecdotally. Yes. Yeah, you just I talking don't know about what anecdotally uh, means because you know I went to Oakland Public School, right, so I don't even right. know. What I'm just I, what I'm saying is <laughs> what I'm saying is you're calling about a relationship with one person that you really are invested in, and he happens to be male, and 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 you do you have no, a heart? No, it's not just one person. No, it's, it's strictly it's strictly friends, and it's two friends, two male friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, well, so well, okay, okay, so within friendship. Got it. So just for time's sake, then let me say it like this. Generally, men will take the hits pretty good. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, they'll, they'll have to go away and lick their wounds unless they have grown up a little weak emotionally and don't know how to accept uh, constructive criticism. 
Uh, which can happen with a lot of men. They don't handle criticism very well uh, when, you know, that's the only way to mature and grow is to handle criticism well enough to be able to say, hey, thank you for that. You know what? I didn't like it. It hurt, but it was beneficial. And and if you're going to be a good friend to these two men, then you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to show them by maintaining self-honor. That is integrity on your part. And if they want to leave off with you, then uh, then we have to actually bear the fruit of that kind of boundary that we're setting. Because, Karina, none of us should invest in relationships with people where people want us to do something other than honor ourselves in relationship to them. That's just off limits. Right. No, it, it's definitely honoring in in non-romantical ways. It's more of a friendship. Um, no, I'm not talking romance, girl. I'm not talking oh, romance. Okay. I'm I just. Not. I'm not talking romance. I'm, but, just, I, um, I'm just. I'm saying, no, just saying. Okay. It's just. It's, I mean. I mean, even just come. Comparing like my two exes before I was a Christian, mm-hmm. like, it was still a problem. Mm-hmm. But back then, being a non-Christian, like I just didn't care. I'm like, oh well, your feelings are hurt. Like too bad for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. But now, as a Christian, and they and my two friends now, they know I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gets thrown at me, you know, like that I'm not, I guess, being so Christian like and being combative and it's like i'm not being combative but you know it kind of snowballs and so yeah now i'm a little combative and now i'm a little defensive because of the things you're saying right so that that i got that i got that on that level on that level um you you have to assess how how important that relationship is and if the, the relationship is important then you will want to work on modification without compromise Right. So what would be that modification? Well, see, you look, see, now now you're talking like we're sitting in council and we are looking at specific details and we can't do that on here. But you're smart enough to know how modification goes without compromise. You're smart enough to do it. And and people will know those of you who are listening. Y'all know what I mean when I say that uh, there will be people that we are trying to invest in relationships with them. And they um, are very sensitive and they come back frequently because we might be a little bit more poignant than they want, but because we want that relationship, we start adjusting tonation. We start adjusting how frequently we input. We start uh, uh, working through our phraseology a little bit better until we can find that that space in them that allows us to actually have communion communication at an authentic level. If that is discovered, then voila, you've maintained the friendship without compromising. But if you never discover that, uh, where you're always bending over like a pretzel so to try to make them feel okay and not not have to be offended every time you give a retort because all they want you to be is a yes man. Sister, this is not about Christianity. This is just about two people that are not compatible enough to be real friends. Right. All right, girl, I'm going to have to let you go. Thank you, Pastor Jesse. I'm going to have to let you go because I know you got enough tools to handle that. Although I do want to encourage you and commend you on um, being sensitive because... If we can keep them as friends, it works. But remember the boundaries. Don't exercise anything that constitutes self-dishonor. I got to take a break. Way overdue. Brandon, you hold on. I'm coming right back with you. I'll be back in one moment.
And now back to Lifeline. All right, the time 623 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line number one and talk with Brandon in San Francisco. Brandon, are you there? I am. Thank you for your patience. Uh, what's your What's your question, comment, observation? What's going on, man? Well, so I, I actually tried to call in um, the last week's show. Mm-hmm. I just uh, caught the end of it. I guess you were talking about Jesse Smollett. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I don't exactly remember the transition because it wasn't obvious to me how we got there, but somehow the conversation turned again toward uh, transgender people. And you made the same comment or a similar comment, similarly worded comment to a previous show where I had called in and you and I had talked at the end of the show uh, and we just ran out of time where you were talking about the, the incoherence uh, of their, of their worldview uh, and I'm not exactly sure. I don't think that there, there's no, you know, uh, consistent worldview necessarily that is shared by all trans people. I mean, that's that's not what being trans is, I guess. Uh, not a not a worldview, not a way of seeing the world. But the 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 point that I had made in that original show was that, or the the first show where you and I talked, was that you were holding them to an empirical standard for the justification of their worldview, but you weren't holding yourself to the same standard. And you said that I had engaged at the very end there when we didn't have a chance to discuss it any further, that I was making a category error. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right. Now, I would be making a category error if I said that uh, your claim to know spiritual things, which or you know, supernatural things, things that are beyond the natural things that are not investigatable, I guess, by science, your claim to know those things uh, is, is unsupportable because you're, uh, you know, uh, you're using empirical justification, right? Those, there are two different categories of knowledge, right, or two different categories of, of knowable things, right? So minimal. The supernatural and the, and the natural, yep, minimal, right? right? So that would be making a category error. And that's what right? I said you, you did. You, but, I, but, I'm, but I'm not engaging in a category error because my contention is not that I do think that your supernatural beliefs are unjustified, but I think that more importantly than that, uh, your empirical claims are unjustified, most importantly because you are supporting them with this claim to spiritual knowledge. You're making a claim about, for instance, trans people. It's not limited to them, but you're making a claim about the... Um, like the metaphysical nature of their existence, right? And how that translates into the empirical world and their actual daily lives and that sort of thing. But you're making this claim to knowledge by way of supernatural knowledge, but you're making an empirical claim. That is the category error. I don't think so. so but that's what a category error is. I know. Definition. I know you. I know what you're doing is is you know defining it in in the convenience of your position. But here's what I'm stating, and what I what I meant by the category error is that uh, for for believers, for for Christians who hold presuppositionally to the Bible, as you know, as um, as our authority for defining what really is uh, creation, and then conscience. 
and then the Christian message in relationship to it. This is Romans chapter one, where where the New Testament clearly and explicitly tells us that creation um, clearly lays out the reality of God, whether we want to admit it or not. Now, you and I have been here before. Um, that a person would deny the reality of God based upon the things that are made is that is their own uh, prejudice and they're subject to the consequences thereof. But according to Romans one, you are without excuses. You are unexcusable in terms of the evidence and the data, the overwhelming data of the reality of God in creation, in spite of the tools of empirical science that you would employ. You, you already know that we have enough history and argumentation with the, naturalist around this for uh, for our claims to be justified based upon our testimony of scripture and our our recognition of how mankind has functioned from the beginning of time i.e. the fact that you have a conscience which is a tool by which you also exercise your uh, empirical uh, investigation your conscience does that your conscience does that, which itself is not, according to your rules of investigation, empirically uh, a tool. And yet it's a mechanism by which you have to make determinations as to what you guys might think is true um, and consistent or not. And uh, when I stated that there's a categorical error there is I'm saying that I there's no way on planet Earth that I would agree with you that what the trans people are doing when they uh, when they say they are male uh, or or feel like they are male when in fact they are female in fact I mean the just in fact they are female and vice versa is not at all the same as when we say there is one true and living God who is the creator of all things and this is evidenced by creation the creation speaks loudly to a creator the notion that the universe came into existence out of nothing is utter irrationality and it could never ever be a tool of argument by even the uh, the empiricist scientists as yourself you you know that you guys have gotten it wrong Again and again and again on so many levels. And uh, and, and you still are exploring how to uh, prove a thing or disprove a thing, Brandon, um, in the scientific world, which world I don't reject. And ne- neither do Christians who are part of that, that world of science. You do know we have a category of people in the field of science that uses the same tools that you do to affirm the reality of God and to affirm the nature of things, phenomenology and the uh, ontology and, and sociology and why things function and act the way that they do. What I was disagreeing with you on is the fact that you were trying to equate our transgender friends uh, with Christians, that as long as they just hold a conviction that they are female when in fact they are male, um, is the same as Christians holding the view that there's a God when in fact they there is no God there is no there's no fact that there is no God there's just not a fact that there's no God you can hold that conviction as many people do but there's no fact that there's no God uh, and I believe there's a fact that there is a God by the things that are made including you and me but that, that's not how that works that's not how that works the point that I was making was that you are claiming to make these you're, you're, you're claiming uh, uh, metaphysical knowledge, you're claiming certain knowledge, you're claiming knowledge, in fact, that you cannot be wrong, okay? Right. Uh, I, I, right, exactly. <laughs> right, you, you are right about that. Now, now Brandon. That you, hang on, let me, finish, let me finish the point. Okay. Let me finish the point. You're making a claim 
which is just a bald assertion. Okay, that's what presuppositionalism is. It is just the assertion, the naked, totally unjustified in any other way assertion. It is the brute fact upon which everything else is based. That's the whole point of presuppositionalism. So you're presupposing that this is true and then making all of these knowledge claims on that basis. Right. But that the whole the, the, the fundamental flaw of presuppositionalism is that everybody can use it. So a trans person is absolutely as philosophically justified in making a presuppositional claim as you are. But the problem without any without any need to justify it any further. Uh uh-uh, but yes they do. No, 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 no. That's not true. No, if you don't have to don't justify cut them down. your presupposition, uh-huh. then they don't either, because you're on an equal plane. The rules apply to you just the way they apply to them. I, you don't I, work under a different set of phys- philosophical rules. So what we do is all of us start off with a presupposition. You do, too. No, I don't. Yeah, you no, do. I actually, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. I, I, There's no such me, thing as a person no, no, coming. No, 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 Brandon, define, no, you're not no, being let honest. Me define, let me define my position. Don't you call me a liar on the radio in front of your entire audience. When I get to define my position, you don't get to define mine. I don't tell you what you believe. I can critique your position but you inform me of what you believe. I inform you of what I believe. You don't have knowledge of what goes on inside my head beyond what I tell you. So I am letting you know that my epistemology is based on minimizing presuppositions, minimizing assumptions and axioms to the smallest possible number that I can, because I understand that the more things I just assume are true, the more areas I open myself up to, one, being wrong in the first place, and two, never, being in a position where I'm never allowed to uh, question. Like, I'm never, I, I, I cannot recognize when I'm wrong because it's based on a presupposition that I am unwilling to question. That's the whole flaw in your epistemology, is that you make a claim that you know X, Y, and Z, that then filters, I mean, it's a spiritual claim, but then it filters into empirical claims that you make all these claims about trans people or like like six months ago when you and I talked about like that porn is uh, yeah. porn consumption is yeah. connected to. Yeah, I know. But that's a that is not anymore a spiritual claim. That's an that is, that is an empirical claim. And you can't justify your claim to knowledge in the empirical world with. Uh, a spiritual justification. You have to use empirical knowledge. You now, have to use empirical data. So, and so it doesn't matter what your religion says, or it doesn't matter what the spiritual presupposition says, if you don't have the evidence to back it up. So then That's wh- the whole point. So then what I'm saying is that we have a book called the Bible from Genesis to Revelation that addresses the empirical matters that you're talking about. It just really does. And that's when I when I when I shared, I guess it might have been six months ago, the correlation between um, uh, child, I mean, porn and child molestation. And you disagree with that. Like I was just talking off the top of my head, but the evidence is everywhere. You know, I just did a cursory research on it and it was there. And I think you would find it as well. And, 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 and my instincts out of that was just rooted from the word of God. The word of God fundamentally tells all of us what we are by nature, which men reject as you too. But the Bible tells us what we are by nature. And when we look at the testimony of scripture and see what we are by nature, Brandon, when you just look at the Bible, it goes, 
uh, men by nature are sinners. Men by nature are liars. Men by nature run from God. They rebel against God. They they lie on God. They blaspheme God. And men by nature uh, twist the truth. Men by nature will not look at the evidence and and submit to the fact that there is a God. They 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 they, they violate their conscience. Now I, I do commend you for the, the the rules that you are saying that you operate consistently out of in terms of minifi- minimizing every speculation and minimizing presuppositions. I got that. I understand the integrity of the scientist who pursues to that end the uh, the disclaimer or um, a refusal of accepting mere uh, presupposition. But I've shared this with you in time past that just as you guys have been blinded on so many different levels in time past and you have agreed that you could be wrong. Uh, I'm glad for that because uh, you have been wrong. And and from my end of the spectrum, you're wrong now still while as yet you are rejecting the reality of God. You are are, are wrong and, and God will make that clear eventually Uh, And I'm hoping that he does that with you before you pass away from this life while you are using the tools of of empiricism. And what I was saying about the transgender thing just recently with Jesse Smollett is that within this whole world of uh, intersectionality is that there's an inherent conflict syndrome that occurs because all of these categories that are rising up today and particularly in terms of gender identity are uh, are necessarily in conflict with one another because they don't operate coherently. So real men and real women are arguing uh, against the transgender community because the transgender community are seeking to occupy the space of uh, real men and real women, gender specific, uh, empirically uh, uh, affirmed females and males chromosomally and, and genetically. And, 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 and that that option is not right. That option is not fair. And that's why there's internal conflict. That's what I meant by uh, my comments around the Jesse Smollett thing because he actually is taking the uh, political struggles and formations of that whole uh, segment of community and he used it for his own benefit, which he, he shouldn't have done because it just doesn't advance. It doesn't advance the argument. That's that's what we were talking about back then. We weren't talking intrinsically about the right or wrong of it, of uh, the, the different cultures, LGBTQ, etc. We were simply saying that in your in you guys community, there is that inherent conflict that's going to occur, particularly on a on a on a uh, kind of a social justice expression level. Uh, and that's what we were talking about. So you probably just caught the fact that. Um, we we talked about transgender in relationship to Jesse Smollett, who is a professing, uh, you know, openly a gay young man. And, and I was saying that he was going to run into that and he did run into it and he's still running into it because he's just, you know, trying to find some limelight for himself. But in relationship to your topic and mine, I, I, I still do appreciate when you call and you try to set the record straight. But, you know, my position uh, scientists have tools, but their tools are, are inadequate from time to time because of a fundamental prejudice in, in the conscience, in the, in the heart and in the mind. And I told you that the, the reason why you and I are not able to agree upon these things is not because you're using the tools of empiricism and I'm using the tools of presuppositionalism, but because of a blindness that has to be removed. That's the, that's the great chasm between the believer and the non-believer is, is a blindness that keeps the non-believer from seeing the reality of God, even in himself or in herself, in you. 
in your conscience and in your heart. It's a blindness. That's and I don't know if we can overcome that in terms of a dialogue or um, or a debate. I think God has to do something graciously for you uh, by revealing himself to you uh, adequately enough for you to see the the benefits of the Bible as being empirically uh, adequate and sufficient to grant a real testimony of the condition of the heart of man. But we're not going to reject science where science is being utilized for the purpose of affirming uh, the natural creation as long as it doesn't take it and start doing silly things like saying that man was an amoeba and then became a protozoa and then became a tadpole and all of that stuff, which I don't think you go there anyway. Really Jesse, I, Je- Jesse? Yes. I, you, you do reject the findings of science. That's the thing. And, and Christians are not uniquely guilty of doing this. Nearly every religion I've ever encountered and nearly every sort of interest group, uh, anti-vaccine advocates, that sort of thing, they accept the findings of science when those findings uh, already align with the beliefs that they held before they ever encountered any of the findings of science. Whenever they affirm that person's belief, well, then they think that science is legitimate, right? I think that's true. As soon as the findings of science tell you something about your beliefs being wrong, demonstrably show that your claim can't be true, then people reject it and they say that's false science and they don't want to believe it. The challenge is to be a big enough person to say, you know what, if my beliefs were true, then X, Y, and Z uh, implications, there would be X, Y, and Z physical, empirical, observable implications in the real world. Now, the only thing I can do to disprove uh, uh, someone's beliefs is to say that all of the things that would be true, right, answered prayer or the whatever, pick anybody's belief system, right? All of the things that would be true if your beliefs happened to describe the way the universe works don't happen to be observable in the real world. And in fact, there's lots of evidence to show that probably there's, you know, some other mechanism completely, for instance, you know, how human beings arrived on planet Earth. Everything that we have in, in, in biology says that we are the product of evolution. But as long as that goes against what's in the Bible, Christians reject it, and Muslims reject it, and other creationists around the world reject it. Mm-hmm. But that's not being honest, because you're, you're just accepting a book that you don't know has any grounding in reality yet, and then when you actually go into, you know, there was a, there's a documentary about, about flat earthers, right? Mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm. documentary, just, it just came out. And it's, it's hilarious. It is, it is a perfect example of the way in which people can be too deluded to ever change their mind. I agree. They actually, in, in this documentary, they designed experiments which would test whether or not the earth is flat or globe. Well, I, I right? agree with you, Brandon. And when the result of their own experiments came back, consistent with a spherical Earth and not a flat Earth, they dismissed the evidence of their own experiments. Now, that is exactly the thing that I'm trying to say. And the tragedy of it, Jesse, is not so much with flat Earthers. I guess it doesn't really hurt anything for a small group of people to believe something so silly. But you're a good person. I think fundamentally you're a good guy. And the tragedy of it is that you are helping to propagate very negative ideas about another group of people, trans people in this example, that don't deserve 
the, the negative things that get said about them. Okay. You're, you're a good person. Okay, so hold on, hold on. Now, I didn't say anything about trans people. So I, I see, you know, I really want to keep talking, but I can't because I have to take a, a break because so much of what you said I actually enjoyed and and all, and believe a lot of it, but I, I, would, I would be hard-pressed to sh- say that you oversimplified your case in that uh, we could go through some of the examples that you 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 rendered, and I would show you where uh, uh, biblical presuppositionalists would be able to argue some of the assumptions that you're making there. But I would want to do that at another time. But largely, what I want to say is this: before I let you go, is that I I appreciate holding to the fire presuppositionalists as you would do using the tools of science the right way. Uh, I appreciate that, and and when you use the analogies like the flat earthers, which I totally disagree with them. And I will admit (laughs) I am using not only a biblical uh, basis for it because the Bible would not affirm a flat earth theory on any level whatsoever, even though you can twist scripture as they do, you know that. Uh, But I would, I would embrace the tools of empiricism and talk about the way we understand our universe from an observable standpoint and our earth and our solar system and how it works and how impossible any of this would function if a flat earth theory was even remotely possible. And and so I agree with you on those levels. And this is where science and theology have a tendency to overlap and begin to come together, which they always have. But at certain points, we do conflict fundamentally at the level of presupposition. But I'm going to have to take a break on this one. And I hope to talk to you again sometime because I appreciate you, Brandon. I really, really do. And I'm not being condescending. I really do mean it. Um, So I got to take a break. Thanks for the call, man. I look forward to talking to you again. Pastor Phil, you hold on. I'll be with you after this break. And now back to Lifeline. All right, let's go to line number two uh, and talk with Pastor Phil Howard of Valley Bible Church. Brother Phil, are you there? I am there. How are you? Good. Listen, I thank you for taking a few minutes at the end of our busy program to uh, talk about um, what we've been talking about on this end of the bay, man, for about a month now that I'm just excited about being a part of. And that is walking to win with our brothers from all over the Bay Area. Um, we got a good six minutes, so I'm going to just let you just just uh, pour out and, and let everybody know what we're about to get into. To uh, follow the theme of Nehemiah that says, let's recapture what the enemy has just taken and destroyed. Mm-hmm. And I think we're trying to recapture men. I, I, I'm often reminded of the line that says, it's hard to follow a park truck. Agreed. And uh, we're trying to get men out of park and mm-hmm. get them in drive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because uh, what this nation needs is some godly men that God is using to rebuild the many wonderful things we've lost. I agree. We opened up the show with that as part of our monologue uh, and sadly dealing with some of the struggling moral and ethical uh, declines that happen to be displayed largely through uh, men in our world and in our culture uh, in, in, in un- uh, unfortunately, leadership positions. And one of the statements that I made, uh, uh, Pastor Phil, was that uh, men, by virtue of their calling of God being made in the Imago Dei, are, in, are by call 
calling leaders. And so we we can't be parked cars. We can't we can't be statues. We can't be monuments of the past. We have to be uh, functional, uh, present, involved, uh, relevant leaders in our society down at the micro level. And that is men among men, men with uh, young men and, and young boys, men in our families, men in our churches, men on our jobs. Uh, uh, and and that when you made the statement that one of the areas in which the enemy has taken, uh, and that's what Jesus, our master, said in John 10, the, the thief comes not but to still kill and destroy, um, is biblical manhood. There's no doubt about it. And that's why I'm passionate about what we're going to do this Friday. Well, it's true. And uh, here we are both uh, committed to Scripture. And yes. so we're not ending a model or inventing uh, something brand new. We're just affirming God's been right all the time. I agree. And uh, so it's not a, uh, I often say, I'm not trying to, uh, oh, what can I say, invent my sermons. I'm simply discovering them. What, what, what did God say? And when we throw off all the restraints and throw off uh, God, our dictionary has so changed today. When you don't accept the divine dictionary, we can make up anything as we're seeing in our culture when there's nothing but uh, a non-existence of truth. So all we got left is tolerance. Uh, how does a man know which way to go? Agreed. And, and, and if I were to expand on that a little bit further, tolerance has been a tool that has been used for quite some time now over against a lot of things, tribalism, conflict, wars, and things of that nature, which has divided culture. And I totally get it. But tolerance without a legitimate plumb line back into the light simply uh, makes us slaves of, of, of mythical and synthetic concepts, uh, uh, Pastor Phil, that is the consequent of what I believe is a secular science model of uh, of, of existence. And so we have swung now uh, from the beginning of time from the sacred spiritual man to what I am calling the secular science man. And if you look at what the secular science man looks like today, um, he, he, he bears the resemblance of everything that the word of God said would occur when we change the truth uh, for a lie and worship the creature rather than the creator who is blessed overall forever. And as such, uh, our, our job is to call men back to the sacred and the spiritual, the theological, the, uh, the, 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 the propositional, the, um, the truth claims of the word of God that focuses in on character rooted in the Imago Dei, redemptive realities, true communion and fellowship, evangelism and legitimate apologetics by which we can share with the world and, and declare to the world who the true and living God is is not only by what the book says, but how that book has impacted men and women around the world. Well, it's true. I, I think in your previous caller and the sophisticated uh, debate that you and he were into, uh, it's quite interesting uh, being a Bay Area boy and growing up in the Richmond area. Uh, th- there wouldn't be 5% of the men that would ever be accused of being scientific. <laughs> they were just round, rounders. Uh, most men aren't reading a book a year after age 40. So to give everybody the sophistication that 
uh, well, you don't buy it because you've intellectually thought it through. No, you you haven't got dried out from being a drunk, yep. and you haven't got off of drugs long enough to have a rational thought. Yep. Let's don't make men so sophisticated that uh, we're talking about 3% that can have the intellectual debate. Most are just slaves to sin. I agree. And they don't know the way out. I agree. I agree. And, and, and the gospel is much simpler in its presentation and in its manifestation of power than uh, than those of us who may be called to uh, a scale of apologetics that's willing to meet the, the secular uh, science man uh, on his own ground because I, I care for them too and you would understand That's what right. I, you you would understand what I mean by that I, I sincerely uh, uh, love uh, Brandon and en- and enjoy our dialogues because God has has given brilliant men as you know and I tell him this all the time brilliant men throughout history who's been able to stand with in the pocket with um, the secular giants and let them know God's word is still true <laughs> it doesn't matter how many spades and shovels that they use to um, distort the truth that's even in their conscience conscience. Uh, but I, you are so right. And I'm looking forward to being with you to just talk to my my common down to earth everyday brothers that eat beans and rice and and uh, uh, and, and just really get at a wonderful example in Nehemiah who can uh, give us some tools for recovery. I'm looking forward to that, Pastor Phil. I'm so I'm looking, looking forward, forward to it. to hearing you and uh, just uh, pray you'll be a bush on fire. Please. It burns in you. Please, please. And you too, and the brethren there too. And, uh, and so thank you for the call and the reminder. And, uh, and, and you, you, you take care of yourself so that when we see you on Friday, uh, and Saturday, you'll be able to, uh, help guide us and navigate us through this wonderful time I know we're about to have. Jesse. All right. Thanks thank you. So much. All right. Bless you. Uh, that's Pastor Phil Howard of uh, Valley Bible Church in, in, in Hercules. Come on out, brothers. In fact, I'm going to be praying. I am going to be praying that you would indeed, Lord, draw men from every nation, kindred, tribe and tongue here in the Bay Area. Uh, quicken them on Thursday and on Friday to say, you know what? I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to sit and I'm going to be an expository listener. And I'm praying, God, that you would speak to our hearts and cause us to see your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Until next Monday, God bless you. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.